Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Reimagine Hybrid Work podcast. I'm joined here today by Jeff Aaron, the VP Enterprise Marketing at Juniper Networks. Welcome to the show, Jeff. It's good to see you again. Yeah, as always, Maribel, I, I, I always enjoy the conversations. And so I really appreciate having me on the show. So let's give the audience a little bit of context. What do you do at Juniper and what does Juniper do? Yeah, uh, I guess starting first with Juniper, uh, you know, at our core, we're a networking company. And, you know, one of the things that really we pride ourselves on is is the breadth of the portfolio and and really what we call uh, client to cloud. Uh, you know, so that's every everywhere from you know the minute you get on a network and interface with a wireless access point to you know traversing a campus and branch, uh, you know backbone to the SD WAN to you know all the information in the data center, um, you know whether it's a cloud or data center, accessing that uh, to make sure it's delivering the best end user experiences the most secure experiences, as well as the best uh, operator experiences. And so you're going to hear me you know, mention the word experiences a lot, right? Because what Juniper really um, is all about is what we call experience-first networking. Um, so as we said, is lowering costs for the operator through uh, better predictability and reliability. But again, making sure that that end users really have you know, the best experiences on the network. As you mentioned, my title is VP of Enterprise Marketing. So that means I'm really responsible for the enterprise portfolio. More specifically, that's you know, setting the narrative and you know, delivering content for the enterprise segment. So that can include you know, top companies like you know, ServiceNow or you know, top healthcare uh, institutions like the VA administration to you know, top stores, retail you know, from you know, like the Gap, right? So anything that falls under the enterprise portfolio, my team is really helping to prioritize and set the narrative and, and make sure that we're viewed as a powerhouse in that space. So it's a pretty big purview, and it's been a crazy time for IT leaders. Uh, they've never been asked to do more with less. Um, you're on the front lines of this, and networking is actually on the front lines of this. If we look at all the different things that happen, it couldn't happen without various forms of connectivity in various areas. So I'm wondering from your perspective, how has networking changed in the past year? Yeah, fair enough. So I think it's a crazy time for everyone, not just IT and networking, as as evidenced by the fact is, uh, you know, Maribel, we haven't seen each other in person in in, in years, and you know, so everyone's you know obviously uh, affected Seriously. by that. But what's interesting is, you know, there prior to this whole pandemic, you know, there obviously was a transformation already happening, right? You know, and, and as I think you would attest to, more and more you know enterprises were moving towards 
AI-driven automation, you know, focus on assured user experiences, and you know, focus on the cloud. So I don't think that's 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 new. Um, but obviously, with the pandemic, you know, if anything, they've been reinforced and reemphasized. Right? Um, you definitely have to do more with less. Um, you have to do more centrally. You know, we like to say that our our customers went from having tens or a hundred branch offices to thousands or tens of thousands micro offices, right? With everyone working from home. So it it just really underscored a lot of um, the key trends that we were seeing more than anything. With respect to some of the specific product areas, it's, it's interesting to see kind of some of the nuances there, right? So, you know, data center cloud, as critical as ever, you know, I don't think that's that's really changed, nor has you know a lot of the spending there. Uh, SD WAN, if anything, has been accelerated. I think it's even more important than ever. And again, now you're looking at potentially even connecting to homes or you know again more branch locations. Wireless is also uh, you know as important as ever by evidence by the, uh, of the fact that we had a record quarter, but it actually kind of shifted a little bit, right? You know, there's more of a focus on you know instead of you know retail stores on distribution and warehousing you know, in retail. And even some instances, though, like, you know, some companies or like some universities were saying, well, you know, our students aren't here. Now's actually a good time to upgrade. You know, at some point, the students have to come back. Um, and so now's a good chance to do it. So, you know, while we were going into this pandemic, you know, wondering what was this going to be? And is there going to be a pullback? You know, as we said, it was a it was a great last year. And this last quarter, literally Juniper set a record. It was our best enterprise quarter ever. And so, you know, that's definitely encouraging. Aside from the pandemic, I would say the single biggest thing this year that's been crazy for everyone has been this, uh, you know, the chip shortage. Who would have even thought that? I don't think anyone would have thought uh, in a million years there was a pandemic. Well, I guess maybe some people would have. There's been movies about (laughs) pandemics for a while now. But chip shortages, no one would have thought about that. You know, there's definitely not any movies about chip shortages on Netflix. But uh, I think that was. Yeah, there will be soon, right? So I think that was one of the biggest head scratchers for us and for IT folks in in this past year is just how to deal with the fact that, you know, the the whole world is, is being impacted by the supply. Okay, so there's a lot going on there and, and a lot of different trends. And one of the things I know that you mentioned very beginning at your intro was this concept of experience. And I know that you've been talking a lot about experience. I've gone to a couple of events that you've actually talked a lot about experience and experience related to networking, uh, which is something that I'm not sure that two people logically put together. For those that might not be familiar with what you're doing, can you describe what it is? Why do you think it's different from what we might have had from networking in the past? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. So look, I mean, people have been using the term experience for a while now. I don't think that's 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 necessarily new. But I do think what's interesting is, you know, now for the first time, you know, you can actually deliver on some of the promises of experience and um, really take it to the new level. And by that, I mean is, you know, we like to say that there's a transition happening from, you know, a network-centric model to a user-centric model. And this was always, you know, missed raison d'etre, and it subsequently has become, you know, Juniper's post-acquisition. And by that, we mean is it's not enough just to say, you know, the lights on an access point or on a switch are blinking green. You have to actually say, is Maribel having a good experience while on that, right? You know, the classic example we always gave is, you know, I could be in a hotel and I bought uh, you know, a wireless service, but I'm, it still stinks. And I can call the front desk and they're like, but you're paid for it and it's working. And I'm like, but that doesn't mean I'm having a good experience, right? Or 
I'm on a United flight, right? I, yeah, I know I paid for the service and you're passing traffic, but it's it's horrible, right? And so that's where we always said that there is there's a difference between network experiences and and user and operator experiences. So first and foremost, it's it's understanding that, right? Um, and as we said, there's things that have really you know I- enabled that trend, you know, that just didn't exist before AI and you know the cloud and the ability to collect more data. So to that end, you know, when we define experience first networking, there's really you know four pillars that we really like to reinforce that that make this happen, but also help differentiate Juniper from all the other vendors that throw around you know the experience term. The first is automation. And automation can come in, you know, a variety of different forms. You know, something as basic as just, you know, prog- programmability and APIs to something more advanced like intent-based networking, which, you know, Jennifer actually, you know, created with Abstra, you know, through a recent acquisition to the ultimate goal of self-driving, with, which is AI, right? You know, let the, uh, you know, kind of quote, the machines take over and, and, and do what's right on the network. So automation is, is one pillar. The second thing is uh, assured experiences. And again, for that to happen, you really need visibility all the way down to the client, to the session, to the application, and the ability to do service levels based upon specific user experiences, which which just didn't exist, you know, back in the day uh, in, in networking. You know, the third is cloud. So again, if you're going to collect all this information and um, you know process this information and get insight, you need mammoth compute, right? You just can't do this with an on-premise. You know, server. You know, you're not going to be able to scale to meet you know the demands of a global ten company um, unless you're you're cloud first and, and and cloud ready. And the last thing, you know, just due to Juniper's heritage, is you need a security thread that ties us all together. Networking and security are, are increasingly being you know interlinked. You can't you know extricate them anymore, and so that's key as well. So it's not just about the best experiences, but it's the best secure experiences. So again, just to summarize, the the four pillars are automation. Uh, with AI being kind of the pinnacle there, assured experiences all the way down to the client session and application, a cloud-first mentality using things like microservices in the cloud, and then connected security as a bond that brings it all together. Can I just dig in on one or two of those for a moment? Um, Because I think they're really important. So this concept of assured experiences, we didn't quite frame it that way before, but we maybe talked about it as quality of service and other things. And what do you think is the real thing that gets us there now, um, is it that we have different visibility? Is it is it that it's AI? What what gets us to something like assured experiences? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I kind of touched on it a little bit, but you're absolutely right. Um, to do assured experiences requires an enormous amount of data, right? So, for example, on the Wi-Fi side, you know, Juniper's collecting 150 user states from every client every two seconds, right? That's a lot of data that you have to process, right? When you then combine that in a client to cloud mode with you know telemetry data from your switches, from your you know your WAN access devices, you know to your applications, there's just a lot of data. And so I think the two things that have really made that more manageable today is the cloud, you know, with basically unlimited compute and AI, you know, new things like you know GPUs and other things that have just and advances in data science technology that have just been able to you know take that data and make meaningful insight out of that. You know, the joke I always uh, make, um, I don't know if it's a dad joke, uh, but my team rolls their eyes is it's not about big data. It's about big knowledge, right? You know, <laughs> anyone can collect it. a lot of data, but you know, what do you do with that data and how do you turn it into actual insight that, you know, customers can, can, can use. And again, the cloud and AI have really changed that game there. Um, and so that, that's what I think uh, is one of the big turning points. Thanks for that clarification. So that actually gets me to, you were just talking about the business value of AI. I mean, 
How do we think about this experience networking changing what IT and business leaders can do? I mean, we've talked about, you know, having good quality for Maribel, but does that really mean anything different? Yeah, again, another good question. So the crux here is that, and I think you would attest to this, is, is that, you know, networks have moved just from about connectivity to, to driving business value, right? Um, you know, I've been in networking as a view for, you know, a long time. Um, you know, I won't comment on on, on your long? specific age, but, uh, you know, for me, it's over 30 years. Um, and, you know, again, network has always been viewed as the plumbing, right? But it is now, I think, more than ever tied to, you know, the, the, the business values. And so that translates, I think, into two things. One is when you have more visibility into actual user experiences, the network becomes more predictable, it becomes more reliable, but perhaps most importantly, it becomes more measurable. Um, so I think that's step number one in terms of just making your workers more efficient, right? And, and especially now, you don't even know where those workers are. So, you know, ensuring that they're efficient anywhere they may roam is, is key just for, for, for business value, right, is number one. But the second thing is you now have the ability to drive more personalized services over your network to your customers. So, you know, an example might be, Using location, right? So if a, a if someone shows up at a, a a gap, be able to you know greet them and answer their specific needs based upon their their specific you know history. Or if someone shows up at the VA administration, give them you know directions to you know their doctor's appointment or you know notifications along the way, right? Or even contact tracing, right? Um, being able to do figure out if someone was impacted by a you know a, a disease, who did they come in contact with? How long were they in a room? Um, does it have to go be clean, right? So these are some of the different things that where you're collect when you're collecting more data, you know more what's going on in your network, and then you can provide more value to the business. And this could be to the CIO, but it also could be to the line of business, to the marketing folks, to you know the the HR folks, uh, the facilities folks that are dealing with contact tracing. So that's really where we're seeing the network going. Is it, it's 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 no longer just plumbing and pipes. It's a a key enabler for business value. I love the shift that we're making with the network, not just being connectivity, not just being a pipe. I think there's a lot of opportunity right now for IT leaders to really be the driving innovation. And I know a lot of this has been related to creating intelligence in the network. And one of the things that I've been hearing thrown around a lot is this term AI ops. And I'm wondering when you uh, talk about your four pillars what can we re, you know, what can we reasonably expect something like AI ops to do for network admins? And and you talked a little bit about how it translates to business value, but I, I think it's probably worth exploring the cans and can'ts, right? Because we've had all this like you just sprinkle a little AI pixie dust on this, and everything like auto magically works for you, and everything's automated and happy sunshine, and you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, um, fair enough. Uh, you know, I used to always joke that my my job, um, you know, marketing prior at Mist and now at Juniper was easy. I just, you know, sprinkle the word AI in everything I did, and um, you know, people would 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 come marching, you know, like the, you know, everyone chasing the Pied Piper, I guess. Um, but it's a good question, and you know, AI ops is you know probably an overused overused term as is AI in general. Um, but I do think it, it is essential to, you know, experience first networking and the pillars I mentioned, right? So, you know, if you look at some of them, you know, automation, you know, again, there's automation isn't new. There's been ways to do that, but you can argue that true, you know, true north of automation is self-driving operations, self-driving network operations. And so I do think that requires, you know, AI level intelligence to, uh, you know, adapt to scenarios and figure out the I- ideal way to, to, to automate that. So that's a, a great example there. 
Also, you know, AI ops um, is also key to support, right? And so um, having a virtual network assistant, an AI-driven assistant we're seeing is having, you know, enormous value to IT departments, right? To your point, what it can't do is it's not going to replace humans, but it can provide, you know, a, a key trusted expert sitting right next to you that can answer questions way easier than or quicker than you ever could, right? And we're talking about, you know, like with our assistant, Marvis, it's, you know, typing in what was wrong with Maribel's Wi-Fi yesterday. You know, it's a very simple question. It can come back and say, well, it wasn't Maribel's Wi-Fi at all. It was her WAN. And it wasn't just a WAN. It was, you know, packet loss. And not only, you know, here's how you can go fix it, or I just fixed it for you, right? Um, so you can, you can imagine that that's an ultimate end game you want to get to. It requires trust, you know, trusting the AI engine. But I think that's important. So automation is key there. You know, as you mentioned, AI ops is also critical to that assured experiences, right? Again, if you're going to collect all that data, it's just way too much for a human to process. So you need someone to be able, or something to be able to, you know, look at all that data and make meaningful insight and correlations, especially, you know, client to cloud, right? Again, is it a Wi-Fi problem? Is it a WAN problem? Is it a data center problem? That's a lot of data you're pulling in and a lot of different scenarios that can go wrong. And leveraging AI ops to um, you know, get to the root cause of that and fix it is important. So um, again, you can just see AI ops is everywhere. And this is exactly why, you know, again, we're seeing a transition in the industry, why some of the traditional stalwart vendors are a little bit behind the aid wall because they were you know, slow to adapt to this or their architectures weren't you know, designed from the ground up for AI and why Juniper has a, a, you know, a, a leg up. Also to your point, um, you know, Business benefits. So a lot of this sounds, you know, you know, fuzzy when we're talking about automation and stuff. But you know, again, we have seen our customers just get real business benefits from AI ops. So you know, ServiceNow, you know, they had a goal of eliminating 100% of their inbound trouble tickets from their end users using you know proactive um, self-driving operations. They're over 90% now, which is huge, right? Not at 100%. We want to get them there, but 90%. They've they used to do 100 trouble tickets a month. Now they've eliminated over 90 of those trouble tickets that are coming in per month. You know, think about that. That's pretty big, right? Or you got, you know, Dartmouth College, you know, their entire help desk or most of their help desk is made up of grad students. They have no Wi-Fi experience, no wired experience, right? They're not IT experts, but with someone like Marvis, they can be, right? Just type in a question and they can give human, you know, responses to a student says, you know, go do this, right? So, you know, again, those are some of the examples we're seeing over and over again, where it's providing real bat business value to what they're doing. And that's what makes this really exciting. I think one of the most exciting things about AI is the opportunity for it to be assistive, right? So you want to still have control over your environment, but you've been basically just didn't have enough data or information or insight to know what to do, to know when to do it. And now we have this opportunity to just shift the tides on that and you can focus on you know, really what's important. So you can get all of those routine mundane things off the list. You can get rid of the alert fatigue where there's a million alerts in a day and you don't even know which one to look at. They all start to just look at like dinging buzzers at some point. So I really like where we've gone with that and the concept of AI ops and you know, I spent a lot of time talking to uh, business executives. And one of the things I think is really difficult is for business executives to connect the network to business value so that networks are funded appropriately, right? So as we look at return to office, as we look at shift to hybrid work, trying to connect this concept of experience networking to this new trend, if I'm a business leader, you know, what, what should I know or ask my IT leaders about? 
Yeah. Um, so that's a, a really good question because, you know, we're, we're seeing even more and more, right? It's like a lot of these projects are like co-funded, right? You got your IT projects in place, but also, you know, the line of businesses have a, a vested interest, right? So for example, like a retail store, if it's about, you know, delivering a better experience to shoppers, um, the marketing team is involved with that. The people involved with store experiences, as is the IT team, right? You know, same thing with like, you know, the VA administration, there's the person responsible for patient experiences, as well as the CIO. And so, you know, number one is understanding, you know, what the top level business objectives are. And so that way you can kind of come together as a team and, and figure out, um, you know, how, how to achieve them. So I think that's the single biggest, single biggest thing here is, um, you know, now more than ever, you can't design and execute on these networks and silos. Um, just m- many teams are involved. And, you know, the other example of this, even within IT is networking and security, right? With things like, you know, SASE and other areas that just the lines are completely being blurred right now. And so, um, you know, you just need the coordination, you know, and again, lastly, with client to cloud, uh, you know, again, your data center team may be different from your campus and branch team, but they may want to have a common AI engine, uh, you know, for correlation and and for troubleshooting and, and insights. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'm hundred percent answering your question, but I would say that, you know, the single biggest thing that businesses can do is, you know, get everyone, uh, you know, on the same page and talking early, because, you know, now more than ever, the, the siloed approach just doesn't work because everything's being blurred. I think this concept of sharing what you're trying to do as a business unit leader, what are the projects that you have coming up? Uh, what are the things that you really want to do, but you feel you just haven't had the right technology? You don't necessarily need to know what that technology is, but you're saying, you know, maybe you wanted to do uh, virtual reality as part of collaboration with your with your customer base, but you're like, we can't really do that. It doesn't seem to really work. And having that kind of dialogue with your IT leaders, so the IT leaders can say, oh, well, if that's what you want to do, then these are the types of characteristics that we need to create in our network. And I think that that partnering is really what's going to get uh, many organizations to the next level. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Uh, you know, all too often the IT department was the tail end. You know, here's what we need to do. Go make it work. And that doesn't always work, right? Reiterating what I, I think we said at the beginning is, you know, experience experience first, experience driven isn't new. But now, obviously, we do have the ability to to deliver on that, right? And, and, and two of the biggest reasons we mentioned is, is AI in the cloud. You know, the first point I want to make is all AI is not created equal and all cloud is not created equal, right? Um, so that's, I, I think, the, the, the first thing there is, um, you know, there are some lo- solutions that are you know, designed more from the ground up to collect the right data. Do you need overlay hardware? Do you need overlay software? Do you need separate, you know, instances to, you know, look at your WAN and your wired and correlate that? So I think that's number one is, you know, what are the, architecture matters, right? And same thing on the cloud, right? Things like microservices matter and scalability matter. So just because people are using the word AI or cloud doesn't mean everything is equal. The second point I'd like to bring up is, you know, the concept of AI ops and AI in particular, and even experience first can be daunting, right? But, you know, one of the key takeaways is, you know, that's on us, right? You know, as vendors, it's our job to make it simple, right? Just because we're using data science and, you know, and different, you know, decision tree algorithms and neural networks doesn't mean that you have to be an expert on neural networking, right? You know, it's our job to use that, apply AI to the technology. So it makes your job easier as, a, as an IT expert. You know, the, the perfect example I, I give is, look, I use an iPhone all the time, but I have no clue how iOS works, right? You know, it's Apple's job to incorporate everything in iOS and deliver a great experience to me. And so that's the other thing I would point out is, you know, it's on us to make it easier. And, you know, that's another big differentiator is do people know what they're doing and know how to apply these technologies. So you as an IT administrator and operator 
just has a better experience from a day-to-day basis, which means you in turn can deliver a better experience to your end users. And so um, that's again, where I think Juniper has had a leg up and um, it's working in terms of our market share growth and some of the numbers we're seeing. And so again, that's why it's so excited, uh, exciting for me at this point in time, especially to be, you know, heading enterprise marketing at Juniper because there's just absolutely amazing things happening. And um, we're just so excited and so fortunate for what's happening right now. Thanks, Jeff, for your great insight. And I look forward to seeing what you build next. And I hope we can have you back on the podcast soon. Awesome. I look forward to it, Maribel.